Well, this is our eighth week on uh, home remedies, and I'm very excited to share what we're going to share this morning. We're going to kind of bring this to an end. I have a couple things, as I said, I believe the Lord has instructed me and kind of leading to uh, where do we go from here kind of thing. Let's pick up in Proverbs 24, and uh, I want you to note that, Proverbs 24, because there's several other passages we'll pull out of that this morning. Uh, verse three and four, this is our eighth week of reading this right in a row. It's going to be helpful to us. It says through skillful and godly wisdom is a house. Notice parenthetically, a life, a home, a family built. I remind you again that that word built is to build or rebuild, or it has the idea of to repair. How many from time to time, your life, your home, your family needs, needs some repair. And even know that anything good in your life, your home, your family, God has, God has built that. And wisdom helps in this. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And then in Isaiah 32, verse 18, my people, say that's me, my people will dwell in a peaceful habitation in secure dwellings. And in quiet, resting places. How many of you would like to win that on Price is Right? Well, we've got an enemy though. And raising a family is hard. Especially in the morning. I've been waiting for a couple weeks to use that one. So it's yours now. You can use it. But we have an enemy. And the enemy, as we've talked about, he, he hates. He's against. He's our adversary. He's against the cause. And all of us have a desire and all of us have a responsibility as well to create and cultivate and guard an atmosphere in our homes where people can grow and people can heal. We've said that you've got to have a place where you can prepare and repair. And as we've established, I think there's only two places on earth and that's home and church that you can prepare and repair. You can grow and then you go out into your, your world and your life and you come home and you're going to have to, to heal some as well. And so our homes, there's a fight on for our homes. And the enemy desperately hates our homes, our families, our lineage, our future. He hates generations because things get co- compounded by generations. And so he's trying to, and he's very diligent and he's been pretty effective in cutting off truth from, from getting to other generations. You know, one, uh, and I've shared this on Wednesday evenings in our belief series, one generation knows and embraces a truth. And if they don't convey that truth properly to the next generation, that next generation only remembers it. And then if they don't, somebody doesn't get revived to that truth in that next generation, it doesn't get passed on and they, they reject it. They reject it as some kind of myth, you know, and so we can lose out on that. And, and the best place for this to happen is, our, is in our homes and in our families. And he's out to destroy not just you, but to destroy generations. So you and I have a responsibility. We not only have desire, but we have responsibility. I don't, I don't know when Jesus is going to come, but you know what? I'm going to do everything that I can to help my family generations, your family generations to go on and, and to be godly. Amen. 
I, I was doing some reading. I, I probably should have copied this and brought it out, but it was two gentlemen. They studied their life, and then they studied, you know, generations after uh, they had passed and how many descendants and so forth. And the one guy, uh, his name was Max Jukes. The other one was Jonathan Edwards. And Max Jukes was ungodly, uh, no interest in that. And the wife that he married, she was worse than he was. And it goes on and talks about all the generations that, that they had, how uh, so there were murders and murderers. Uh, many of them ended up in, um, in prison. They said only 20 out of the whole study they did of that family ever learned a trade. And 10 of them learned the trade in prison. And there were, like I said, murderers and prostitutes and everything else throughout that whole. And then they tallied up. Uh, Oswald Chambers uh, produced it. He, they tallied up how much money they actually cost society, too. Jonathan Edwards was godly and had a godly heritage to flow through. And he talked about the marriages and the, and the children and college presidents and doctors and, even a, and, and preachers and even a, a president. You know, to come down through that, through that family line. Listen, there is something about God in your family or God not in your family. There's something about God in your home or God not in your home. And I don't care how cool you want to be, um, you, listen, and how in you want to be with other people. Or I want to follow everything that the world's doing. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. You've got to love God and God will help you to sort all that out. He does not come, listen, he didn't come to ruin your fun. He brought, he came to bring you real joy. He didn't come to ruin your life. He came to bring you real life. And, and we need him in our lives and in our homes and in our families. And it's a war. It's a war. And I don't know about you, but I will fight for my family. And we will fight for our homes. And, and this may sound odd, but listen, we will fight for peace. You've got to put out an extreme effort, you know, to make that happen. It is a battle. And it's a spiritual fight. Ephesians reveals this, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's a battle, there's a struggle, there's a, there's a fight, but it's not against flesh and blood. So that means your wife, your husband, your mother-in-law, your children, your parents, they are not your enemy. Amen. Now some of you are probably convinced, well, they're not the enemy, but they work for the enemy at least part-time, <laughs> you know. And that might be true, you know. Uh, but flesh and blood is not our enemy. It goes on to say, but it's, it's a spiritual enemy, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. There's darkness. There's a hierarchy of evil, real deal, spiritual stuff. And I'm not trying to spook you out. Uh, we started out a little earlier. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in, in the world. Well, we've got to be aware of this. And, and that's part of what we're going to cover here this morning. And so we've got to, we've got to wage good war and you can win. That's the good news today is that, is that you can win in this. And it's not just spiritual, though. Spiritual plays out in a lot of practical, normal, day-in and day-out kind of things as well. And we've covered a number of those as, as we've gone along in this series. Well, to win, how many of you are interested in winning? Okay, it's all. It's all. Among other things, there's two things I want to focus in today that, that we're going to need. And first of all is this. Knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. What's the root word? No, right there. There's some things that we're going to have to know. I mean, you can have wonderful intentions all day long, but there's some things that you're going to have to know. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, 
for we are not ignorant of his devices. Ignorant means this. It's, I do not know. It's not stupid. It's not dumb. It's just, I do not know. And it says that we're not ignorant, which means we do know. And that's where we've got to be in the know is know the devices of the enemy. And from this verse, if you know the devices of the enemy, then he cannot take advantage of you. If you don't know, then he can take advantage of you. Then we read in Daniel 11, verse 32. Y'all with me? Daniel eleven thirty two, those who know their God, those who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Sounds to me like they're winning. The prophet Hosea told us this, my people are destroyed for lack of, lack of knowledge. And, and get this principle here and don't, don't miss this. You have to think about this a little bit. The ignorance of the oppressed is the strength of the oppressor. The ignorance of the oppressed, what they don't know, is the strength of the oppressor. And they oppress them because, uh, because you don't know, then they take advantage of you. It's like whenever I've done any foreign travel and, and I don't understand the currency. You know, you ever walked away from that and go, I think I got ripped. <laughs> so life lesson for you right here, okay? Even if you're not good at math, know how to make change, okay? Just, you'll thank me later. But the ignorance of the oppressed is the strength of the oppressor. So here, ultimately, here's what we must have knowledge of. You need to know your enemy and his ways. And you need to know God and his ways. You've got to know both of those things. Amen? Second thing that we've got to have that goes with this, and you'll see it in a minute, is strength. Strength. Everybody say strength. We've got to have strength to act upon what we know. In Proverbs 24, remember I told you to kind of mark that? Proverbs 24, verse 5. Look at this with me. It says, a wise man is what? Is strong and a man of knowledge increases strength. A man of knowledge increases strength. They go together. It kind of compounds itself. Then we read in Luke 11, verse 21, when a, what? Strong man, yes, a man of, oh, I crossed my verses. I got cross-eyed up here, just for a minute. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. Get the imagery of that. When a strong man, fully armed, I think that indicates he knows what he's doing, fully armed, guards his own palace, His goods are in peace. And that's what we're after for each of our life, our homes, our families. Can you say amen this morning? So knowledge and strength. But let me talk about strength here for a few moments. Daily victory. How many of you like to win daily? Instead of once every seven months. No, daily. That we would win daily. And can I tell you something? That's what's got to happen. You've got to consistently be winning. Daily victory depends upon being strong in spirit. Daily victory depends on you being strong in spirit. It's not about you having the personality or having the latest this or or whatever. All those things are good. I believe you need to be strong in every way. I think you need to be strong mentally. You need to be strong emotionally. Because you can be strong in a lot of other ways and emotionally you keep slipping out. You know? Little thing come along and you're undone, you know? And so 
you need to be strong in every way, but daily victory is going to come. It results from being strong in spirit. What is strong in spirit? I think that we're really in tune with God and his ways, his presence. But ultimately what strong in spirit is, it's his strength working in you. His strength working in you. Remember Samson in in the Old Testament? Samson? I remember when uh, my oldest son Lee was a little boy, we got him some action figures at the Bible Bible, uh, supply place, Bible store. And got him a Samson. Samson was like, and he'd move his arms, you know, but he's just like this big buff guy. Well, you know what? I don't know necessarily that that's scriptural. Because if you read Judges 16 around there, you're, there's no indication that he had some physical super strength. But what did the people around him keep asking, keep trying to trick him into? What is the secret of your strength? Now, do you know what the secret was? Pastor Ron, don't answer. Do you know what the secret of his strength was? Spirit of the Lord. It was the spirit of the Lord would come on him and help him. And you know what? He'll do the same for you. Proverbs 24 verse 10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, you're what? Your strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Listen to it in the message paraphrase. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. Well, go say it. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. So listen, we all have problems. We all have situations. We all have things going on. And, but let me su- submit to you that the problem, your problem is not the issue. Strength is the issue. Because if you don't have strength, the problem is indeed a problem. But if you have strength, no problem. For example, and I've shared this with you before. We wrote a whole book around this called Tough Times Don't Last. Um, I'm checking in for a flight one time, and there's a little tiny old lady in, in front of me, and she's got a big old suitcase. And the lady said, could you put it up here on the scale? She's, she's checking in, and she couldn't do it. Do you know why? She'd overpacked. No, no. <laughs> Because she's like 90 and tiny and she, and so she lacked what? Strength. But I had the strength to do that. So for her, it was a problem. But for me, I lifted it up and put it up there and she said, thank you. And what did I say? No problem. Because if you have the strength, then no problem. So daily victory is going to depend upon you being strong in spirit. Now, For our homes, regarding our homes, our marriages, our lives, our family, we want happiness and we want health and we want peace. But listen, this does not come to us by having something more or better or different. It comes because we have order. Order. And I'm not necessarily talking about the whole list that we find in Ephesians and so forth of, you know, submission, husbands, wives, and and all of that. That should be in place and that is life-giving. That is never, that never quenches the life of anybody. That is life giving when done, done in the right way. I'm talking about our lives having divine order to it. Divine order. And can I tell you something? That order is constantly going to be challenged. How does this play out? It plays out in our decisions. In our decisions. Everybody say decisions. That's where it plays out. Every decision is directional. 
Every decision is directional. Therefore, if we care about what we're doing, every, every decision must be intentional. You know, if we load up the whole family and we say, hey, let's go out to eat. And we're all in the car and here's the conversation. Well, where, where do you want to eat? And it's so funny to me because somebody will say, oh, I don't care. And then another one said, well, I want to go here. And they go, oh, I just had that. I don't like that either. You know, it's like. <laughs> so, but here's the deal. Every decision is directional. Because yeah, then we're driving along, we're talking, and I get to an intersection. I go, so where are we going? <laughs> you know? Decisions translate into energy. This morning, you did not get dressed until you made a decision. You stood in the closet and you're looking, uh, I look really cute in that, but uh, maybe too cute for church. And so I, yeah. and that was Pastor Ron that said that. Oh, I don't know. This doesn't feel good anymore. I don't know the color. I don't know. It's past Labor Day. Blah, blah, blah. You know, we got, we got all this trying to decide. And listen, you don't make it. You don't do anything till you make a decision. And when we do make a decision, then it's directional. It's going it's to take us in a direction. And think about our life. Think about our marriage. Think about our, our kids, our family, our decisions. We have to be very intentional about our decisions. I read this quote to you, I believe, two weeks ago by Chuck Swindoll. He said this, no home suddenly fractures. It is a slow erosion based on choices. So our choices are huge. With every decision, you have to consider the atmosphere of the environment. With every decision, we have, to, we have to consider, what am I trying to build here? What am I trying to grow here? And it comes to play in every decision. Your financial decisions, your entertainment decisions, your friend decisions, every, everything. Do we go to church? Don't we go to church? Every decision is directional. Every decision you've got to keep in mind. What does this do to the atmosphere? What does this do to, to what I'm trying to do here? You know, years ago, I had two boxers. They were brothers. They were litter mates. They're about 105 pounds. They're beautiful. Most beautiful critters ever. They, they since have passed, and, and I am still sad over that. And they were awesome. Alicia said we should have only got one because they misbehaved. <laughs> we couldn't train them because when you're trying to train them, they're going, ah, you know, and then they're, then they're wrestling, taking off, and, you know, a gallon of slobber every, every time you'd see them, you know. Beautiful, though. And they'd run in the yard like these dolphins. They'd just, you know, go together. So we built this big run for them, and part of it was covered and everything, and just loved those guys. And then I decided to take up gardening, and I'm since retired. But uh, I, I had this garden. I had it all strung out. My father-in-law said plant marigolds around it, and that keeps bugs away. And I had, you know, the lines and the little thing, what was growing here and what was growing here and the little mounds. I mean, I did it by the book, had it all ready to go. And then things start sprouting up. And one day, Samson and Goliath got out. <laughs> and, and they didn't go over and say, I wonder what he's growing here. And they didn't tiptoe in and out of each of the, the rows like I did. They ran through it. They grabbed the string and pulled it. They, they chased each other. They decided to wrestle right in the middle of it all and just you know, and take off. You got to be aware. I'm trying to grow something here. 
And you've got to keep things in the right atmosphere. You know, you can't, and I know it's spring and all that, but you can't take your boombox and your grill and go to the library. Okay, it has to be appropriate to what are we doing here? Y'all with me? Every decision. It's called stewardship of place. Stewardship of place. Every decision will strengthen or weaken your family. Come on, get real with me. Every decision will strengthen or weaken your marriage. Every decision. Pastor, this sounds like a lot of work. That's why we've got to be in the know. And and we've got to have strength for this. And God will help us. Proverbs 14.1. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. Wise, forget the gender here for a moment. The wise builds their house. We've already established who are... The, the wise are those who make good decisions. And when you make good decisions, you do what? You you build. The foolish, who are they then? Bad decisions. Says they tear down. Tear down their own house. Every decision matters. And follow this. What you model and what you tolerate, what you model and what you tolerate is going to create the atmosphere and the culture of your family and home. I'll say it again. What you model... And what you tolerate will create the culture and the atmosphere of your home. Guess what? You are going to have to guard the atmosphere and the traffic at your home. Watch this real quick. Hey, thanks for stopping by. You know, I, I followed your character since the first episode. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Big fan. Thank you. Hey, listen, your storyline makes for incredible TV drama. Thing is, your drug use is very adult content. Too adult for the kids. So I'm going to have to block you. Yeah. Well, have a good one. You're a nice lady. I love this one. You don't want some? It's chamomile. You are extremely terrifying. Just the scariest undead subhuman thing on TV and... I really mean that. (laughs) But I am worried that you could give my kids nightmares if they see you. So I'm going to have to block you. (laughs) So that's it. Oh, and and tell the zombies they're they're blocked too. So that's it. Now, I'm not your Holy Spirit. I'm not going to tell you what you watch, what you don't watch. That's between you and your God. But you better know your enemy in his ways. And you better know your God in his ways. And sort that out and the Holy Spirit will help you with that. But we, we have a responsibility to the atmosphere at home. And I'm not talking about that you're so stodgy and just rigid and stuck. that There's no laughing in this house for Jesus. You know, I'm not talking about it. I'm telling you, you can, you can have such a blast. You'll have greater peace and joy and laughter when you're free and not all compressed and confused by, by the other stuff. Amen. Well, for eight weeks now, we have taught the ideal from Scripture. And we all seek the ideal. But we all live in a reality. You have a reality at your home, your marriage, and so forth. And reality has changed. You know, it's no longer the Cleavers or the Cosbys. Now it's the 
Simpsons and worse. How many of you have no idea what some of those names are? Okay. But here's the deal. Whatever your reality is, God makes up the difference. God makes up the difference. Where man has been faithless or even unfaithful, God remains faithful. And don't miss this. God can bless and help anyone, anywhere. God can bless anyone, help anyone, anywhere. Follow though. But he may not be able to bless everyone and everything at your place right now. There's some things that he just, I, I cannot bless that. It's not his ability, it's his standards. And a holy God say, I can't bless that, I can't bless them. Here's the key. But he can bless you. Surrounded by unblessable things even. If you'll remain blessable. Do you know what I mean? You remain blessable. He knows where you are. He knows your address. He got it from the NSA. I slept. Um, He knows how, he knows your situation. He knows how to get to you. He knows how to help you. And no matter what your situation is, here's a couple things that scripture speaks of. Psalm 146 says that he relieves the widows and the fatherless. In our culture today, we've got a lot of single parent settings. In Malachi, he said this, you know, maybe, maybe you're estranged from somebody. It says that God in these last days, by the spirit of the prophet, Elijah is turning hearts. He's turning the hearts of fathers toward their children. And he's turning the hearts of children to their fathers. And Zechariah it says that he will whistle for them and gather them, redeem them, and restore them. That word whistle there actually means to hiss. It's kind of like this. Don't you ever give up on anybody. They can be off doing their thing and get a holy that won't let them go. And God began to gather them and redeem them and restore them. God can always make up the difference. Well, I want to pray. And if you have your pictures or lists, I've got a family picture from my daughter's wedding. It's one of the most beautiful days of our, of our family. And on the back, I've got some stickies with, with family. And if you have that or you have a list or it's in your phone or you just, you just know it. You don't have to have something. But this, I just thought it would be helpful. I feel like the Lord kind of directed this way. And what we're going to do... You can lift these up to God if you want. I'll say it in the prayer. God, you know these people. You know these faces. You know these names. You can hold it to yourself. If you're with some family members, maybe you want to you know, huddle a little bit, whatever you want to do. And we're going to lift these families up to the Lord, our families. And God's going to help us. I said God's going to help us. Would you stand with me this morning? Please guard this atmosphere. Nobody leave yet. I want you to take a moment and just get yourself focused a little bit. I want you to be reminded this morning, God knows you. God knows your family. He knows where they're at. He knows situations. Just take a moment and get your your heart just fixed on him. Now I'm going to pray over us this morning.
Father God, God Almighty, Creator, Redeemer, our Heavenly Father, we have explored and we now embrace your truths. We humble ourselves before you now. And we ask for your grace, for your help, for your intervention. Your grace to help us and to strengthen us. We thank you, God, for every good thing in our life. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you for your patience. And this morning we lift our lives, our families, our marriages, our loved ones, our homes, to you. You know these faces. You know these names. And we pray that that which is good and healthy and happy, that you can continue to bless and preserve and increase. And that which is broken and damaged, that you would heal like only you can. And that which is lost or missing, you would restore that which has been stolen that you would recover and that which has invaded that you would drive out and for those of our family and our loved ones who do not know you or are not serving you Holy Spirit of God and by your ministering angels draw them to yourself for those that are lacking anything provide for those who are estranged from us turn our hearts and turn their hearts and for those who are far from you whistle gather we ask you to relieve and comfort widows relieve and comfort widowers Place the solitary in families. Defend orphans. Be a father to the fatherless. Bless somehow and help broken homes. May there be a special grace for single parents. And even more special grace for grandparents that are raising their grandkids. Give them wisdom in every provision. And in the mighty name of Jesus, drive out the enemy. Confuse his efforts. Break the power of addiction. Break the power of anger. Break the power of pornography. Break the power of impurity. And where there's strife, bring your peace. And where there's emptiness, bring your presence. And in our homes, in our life, in our families, in our marriages, establish your kingdom, your kingdom presence and order and peace. Bless, we pray. Help and heal our homes. Fix and fortify our families. And above all, be glorified. We thank you in advance for hearing our prayers. And we thank you for what you will do. And we thank you for your grace, which is always enough. 
We thank you for your grace in the meantime. We pray all of this together now in the strong name of Jesus. And all the church said amen Amen. and amen. Can we thank God for what we're believing him to do? Come on, thank him. God do it. Uh, Now remain standing just for a moment. We got a couple other things we're going to do here, but few years ago, I I felt like the Lord put a thought in my heart, spoke something to me that there's a noise in our land. And what that noise is, is houses falling, families. In In Matthew 7, Jesus spoke to this and he said that a foolish man, we've already established what that is, make wrong decisions, built his house on sand. Remember the imagery of a house, life, home, family. Built his house on the sand. And when the storm came, and he didn't say if a storm came, he said when the storm came, he said it fell. And great was the fall of it. What made them foolish? What made them build a life, a house, a home on sand? Is they heard and they did not do. Which means they made bad decisions, ungodly decisions. He said, but if you build your house on rock, I'll call you wise. Who would the wise be then? Those who make the right decisions. What is that? It's that we would hear and do what he said. Hear and do what he said. And he said, and when the storm came in, and follow this, I'm no doom and gloomer, but there will be storms. But when the storm came, if you build on the rock... You're okay. One paraphrase says, you'll be inside safe and warm. Let's be blessable. Let's be wise in this. One other thing. I feel like I'm to pronounce blessing over you. I can't bless you. I can pronounce blessing. It's God who blesses. In the book of Numbers, I'm thinking of two passages, especially right now. It says, and that which God has blessed cannot be cursed you want to live blessable if there's ever been a people that need blessing in the world today it's the people alive in the world today and I'm telling you it will make a difference that which God has blessed cannot be cursed I want to pronounce blessing out of the book of numbers these are God's word and it will be God that would bless you receive this now would you May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Peace to your house. Bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Do you receive that today? Amen.